Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. All right. Hey, we welcome you today. I'm Pastor Dan, founding pastor here. Uh, pastor Brad would normally be here. I got a text this morning about 2.30. He said, Dad, you awake? I go, yep. He said, I'm in the ER and I'm in a lot of pain right now. He said, can you preach this morning? I said, uh, you want Mother's Day or the series to continue? He said, Mother's Day is fine. So here we are, all right? But uh, it was one of those things called in season, out of season, but we pray God will bless you through the word today. But uh, today is Mother's Day. Be praying for Pastor Brad. And uh, he's at home. He's resting, doing well. But uh, we, we want to continue to pray for him. But uh, today's Mother's Day, and we want to honor all of our moms. We're going to have you stand at the end of the service, and we're going to do a little something special for you. But we want to say Happy Mother's Day. I'm not going to have you stand twice. And uh, know that today that we honor you at Transformation Church, and uh, we celebrate you and the impact that you make and continue to make in all of our lives. But then I want to talk to you about a godly mother. You see, no one in society has more potential for a positive influence on a child than a mother does, obviously. Abraham Lincoln put it like this. He said, no man is poor who has had a godly mother. No man is poor who has had a godly mother. I've been on the receiving end of that and very grateful uh, for my 85-year-old mom who has been a godly woman, a godly influence, and a major powerhouse in my life. But I want to take you on a journey today through one of the great mothers of the Bible that most people do not know her name. They know a little bit about her story, but never identified her name. Her name is called Jochebed. And she happens to be the mother of the great hero of faith called Moses. And today I want to talk to you about mothers. She's all that and more. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, we see the story uh, beginning of Jacobed's story, and it says, About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what happened to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. I want to talk to you and take you on a little journey of this great mother called Jochebed, Moses' mother. First of all, let's look at her identity. Her name Jochebed means Jehovah is her glory. She was an Israelite, one of God's chosen people. She was of the tribe of Levi, from which came the priests and those who carry out the duties of the tabernacle and later on in the temple. She was a godly woman who stood steadfast in her faith. 
Her relationship with God was genuine and very real. And I want to say today, nothing will have more profound and lasting influence in the lives of our children than having a genuine and consistent godly example in their homes from both their mother and their father. What does the godly mother look like? They're on your notes. They're one who prays for and with her children. Let your children hear your voice calling their name out in prayer. One who studies God's word and teaches it to her children. One who sets example by the life that she lives. One who has compassion at heart. One who stands firm in her faith. And obviously this message goes for both fathers and mothers, but today we're honoring moms. The Apostle Paul put it like this when talking to the young Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it's in you also. What Paul's telling Timothy, I knew your grandmother Lois. I knew your mother. I saw the great faith that was in them. And I know for sure that it's been passed down from them to you. You see, a godly mother is identified by her love, her sacrifice, her faith, her prayers, her courage, her compassion, and her strength. And I'm just going to throw this in today because I'm not preaching next Sunday, so you can't be mad at me too long. But moms, do not let technology take the place of your voice. Do not let an iPhone or an iPad take the place of your voice, your touch, your hand. Because one day you're going to go, why won't my children listen to me? Because they don't know your voice. They know a cartoon. They know a game, but they don't know you. And your voice and your touch is the most vital, important gift that you can give your children today. Don't let an iPhone or a game or a toy be what calms or, or soothes your children. That should be your touch and your voice. They're okay in a place, but they shouldn't be the ruling factor of your children's life. Good preaching, amens are weak, but we're going to continue. Her identity, number two, was her dilemma. Jochebed was living and raising her children in a very hostile and evil environment, as you are as mothers today. She was born in Egypt as a daughter of Levi. She had lived her entire life under the cruelty of slavery under the Egyptian rulers, the Pharaohs. The Egyptians, Exodus said, came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. She didn't grow up in luxury. She didn't grow up in comfort. She grew up in slavery, but yet she grew up a godly woman. A woman in a society that would have had everything in the world against her and her family and her children. She had no hope of watching her children go off and get a PhD or a degree or own a business or be a pastor or an event. She had no hope for any of that. It was survival in the natural realm because everything around her was slavery and captivity. But in her spirit and in her heart, she believed in a God that was bigger than her surrounding. But she had a dilemma. Everything in the world was against the very children that she wanted to love, protect, and comfort. You see, the Egyptians hated the Israelites and made life miserable for them in every possible way. 
to the point that Pharaoh, because the Israelites began to grow in number, that they were outgrowing the number of the Egyptians, and the Egyptians became fearful that they would get so large with their mail that their army would overpower the Egyptian army. So Pharaoh came and said, I put a decree out today that all firstborn males of the, of the Jewish people are put to death immediately. They're to be taken down to the Nile River and thrown into the river to feed the crocodiles. And all the mothers took their children, their firstborn male, down to the river and wept and cried under another act of slavery and being owned and controlled. And they watched their babies being devoured by these crocodiles. But Jochebed didn't go that day. She took her little baby that was just born and she hid him in her home. She did what she could do. She didn't whine, didn't complain about the difficulty of life circumstances. She would not allow herself to surrender to the hopelessness of life that surrounded her. She did what she could do for as long as she could and kept Moses in the comfort of her home and the safety of her home. And when she could not protect him any longer, we were talking a moment, she took him down to the Nile and she placed him into the hands of the God that she trusted and believed in. Moms, if the world hates you, John says in John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you as a song. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Today, you, mom, you live in a society that hates you and everything you stand for as a Christian mother. Never in our history have we seen such hostility and hatred toward Christians and biblical Christianity, especially hatred against the Christian-based home. The America we know today stands in opposition of everything you believe and every right you possess as a Christian mother. It declares the right for your baby to die even before it's born. Our modern-day education system desires to teach your children about sex and abortion through explicit pornographic cartoons. It seeks to own and control the sexual behavior of your child. Now going to the extreme of trying to aid your children in understanding or how to identify themselves sexually rather than how they are biologically created by God. It declares that your children are like animals. They're going to fornicate, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. But I say they're wrong, and the Scriptures say they're wrong. The dilemma facing mothers today is growing by the moment. However, a Christian mama knows her identity in Christ. In her dilemma, she doesn't bow down to those who seek to destroy her children. That little lamb of a woman becomes a raging lion when one messes with a godly mama's babies, knowing that the creator of her children is also the one that she has put her trust in to protect and to care for them when she can't. She was faced with a dilemma such as many of our moms today, but in that dilemma we find her courage. Jochebed refused to go with the flow. Thank God for godly mamas that don't go with the flow. While all the other mothers obeyed the commands of Pharaoh in fear, the political powers to be, she hid her son Moses for several months. In Exodus 2, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. She refused to consider her own life, her own comfort, her own convenience or safety. She refused to bow to the commands that turned her and her children against the God that she served. The decree made by Pharaoh, the lawmaker of the day, went against the humane and moral principles of her faith. 
to obey him was to defy her God and watch her son be put to death. To disobey him was to risk her own life, but gave the opportunity for her son to live. Can I say, fearing God more than man, Jochebed made a decision that not only spared her son Moses' life, it spared an entire nation. Because when Moses became a man, God had a plan for him. God said, I knew all of his days before Moses saw one of them. God had a deliverer that was born in the womb of Jochebed. He was the deliverer of four to six million Israelites. So when Jochebed saved the life of her son, she not only saved her son, she saved an entire nation from extinction from the presence of God and the deliverance of God's power. You've got a world changer in your hand, mother. You've got a world changer that you're sending off to school. You've got a world changer for the kingdom of God that God has entrusted you with. Don't allow the world to touch your child. Don't allow the world to speak negativity into your child. Don't allow the world to teach your child opposite of what this book says. God has to find you as a mother of faith, of courage, of power, who will resist the fear of the enemy and declare that I will trust God even to death for the life of my children because God has birthed them through me with a purpose upon this earth. It's not you or your children the enemy hates. It's God's purpose within you and within him that he wants to destroy. The Bible says in Acts 5, we ought to obey God rather than men. Mothers, I challenge you today to stand up for your Christian rights and the rights of your children, regardless of who's in political positions or power. If you're red or blue, it doesn't matter. The Word of God's the only thing we got our lives by. You see, you're not just saving your children. You're saving the generational lineage of your family. When you save your children today and you push them and you protect them and you guide them to God's purpose, you're saving your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, and you're preparing a way for the kingdom of God to be elevated in your generational family. Isaac. Isaac's birth took place in England on a cold Christmas day. He was born premature and very sick. Everyone around him thought he was going to die. His father had just died two months earlier. A war was raging around them, and many said it would have been easier for Isaac's mother if she would have just aborted him. She would not even consider it. Isaac grew up to be a scientific genius. Isaac was the one who discovered the law of gravitation. He revolutionized mathematics by developing calculus. He improved the telescope and became famous for his work in physics, mathematics, and astronomy. If Isaac's mother had not had courage and had aborted her child, the world would have never known the greatest scientist to ever live, Sir Isaac Newton. James Robinson, one of the greatest preachers of my generation, a man who brought a message of grace to the Church of America that wasn't used to it. The church was so full of condemnation and preaching people into hell instead of graciously taking them into heaven. But James Robinson came on the scene and brought a message of grace through crusades that swept our nation. But James Robinson was conceived in an act of rape when his mother was raped and horrific situation in her life and rather than take the life of her son she gave birth to her son 
and birthed one of the greatest evangelist preachers to walk our nation of America, delivering a message of grace that we now get to preach more freely because there was a pioneer of the faith that knew the Word of God wasn't about sending people to hell. It was about transforming the lives of people so they could get to heaven and meet their Creator. It was a man that was born in an ugly dilemma, but a mother of God that said, no matter what the world says I should do, I'm going to trust God and believe Him through the dark, difficult seasons of life and why Watch him do something powerful through the life of my son. Many mothers today are facing huge dilemmas of one kind or another. Mom, you're all that and more. You can do this. God has you, and he has your children. Then we see her sacrifice. Exodus 2, verse 3, but when she could hide him no more, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. You see, Jochebed was willing to risk her life as a means to save her son. Jochebed gave Moses everything she could for those few months that she could protect and hide him. She had to trust God now, and she believed it to watch over her son and protect him from the crocodiles, the evil, and the calamities that awaited him in the Nile River. And mothers, every time you watch your son or daughter leave your house, step on that school bus, get in a car and drive to school, or watch them head off to college, you're watching them enter a world of evil and wickedness. Yet, Mom, I want to declare to you today, hold true to the principles and the promises of God's Word, that He has assigned angels over your children. When you can't be there, He is. When you can't protect them, He will. When you can't guide them, He has them. When you can't talk them through a trial, the Holy Spirit's in that room comforting them and speaking hope and life to them. Mama, never give up. Trust the Word of God. Keep them while you can. But then you got to hand them over and know that there's a power bigger, stronger, and greater than you. And He's going to take what you started and He's going to bring it to completion. And the fulfillment of His purpose will take place in their life because they had a godly mama that wouldn't stop believing God and covering them with a spiritual aspect of their life life. God bless every mother in this house. Amen. You see, you will be looked upon as weird by the world. You'll be called a religious fanatic, a troublemaker by some. We need to cause some trouble once in a while in a good way. You'll be encouraged and pressured to give up and give in to the system of the world like every other mother is, but now there's something different about you. You're all that and more. The book of Wisdom, Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. The God of the universe is with your children when you're not. He has seen your tears. He's heard your prayers. He has them. Stand firm, unmovable in what you know to be biblically right. Nothing moves heaven more than the sacrifice and prayer of a godly mother for her children. I was blessed to have one of those moms. She's 85 now. We're having to put her in a nursing home this week. It's hard. But I remember at 15 years old, I was saved when, when I was very young. I, I was seven when I accepted Christ. But I was 15 when I felt God calling me to preach. It was a Sunday night at First Assembly of God in Arbordale, Florida. We drove by there recently. It was a Sunday night, and the move of God was happening. I was in the altar, and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you're going to preach. Now, you got to understand the dynamics of that because I took straight zeros through high school. When it come time to give an oral report, I ain't doing it. <laughs> Just, no. 
I told my daddy, you can whip me till I bleed. I can't. Terrified. And God had the humor to call me to preach. You go figure that one out. But my pastor met with me that night, and he said, what did God do at the altar night? I said, I think he called me to preach. I said, I know he did. He told me too. And three weeks later, he had been meeting with me and had me preach my first sermon, 15 years old, on a Wednesday night. I'll never forget it. I preached on fall, uh, climbing into hell. No man goes to hell on accident. You have to want to go there. You got to climb over every prayer mama prayed, every track you read. You got to want to go to hell to go there. It lasted 12 minutes. I cried seven of them, scared to death. But he kept putting me up there, and that's how this thing started. But I remember Kathy and I were engaged. We had dated six years, and I was graduating from Bible college, and I went on a mission trip to the South Bronx. And there I was about a light pole at 3 o'clock in the morning, and three little girls walked by with grown men, and they were groping them. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is where you're going to come back. You're getting married, and this is where you're coming back, and I'm going to train you here. I went home and told Kathy. We started preparing, but I couldn't get a whole release. I could not get a total release. And I was fighting this war inside, knowing that God had called me, but I just couldn't get this 100% release. And, and I'll never forget that one night my mom came into my bedroom in the middle of the night. And she sat on my bed and she said, Dan, I want to apologize to you and ask you to forgive me. And she said, the reason you can't get a release is I wouldn't release you. I told God that he could have you as long as he kept you here close by, that, that he could do anything he wanted to with you around here. But tonight I told God he can have you anywhere and he can send you to the nations, Dan, that as long as he'll use you to touch another mother's son, he can have you and send you to the world. And I release you into the hands of God. He's got you. He's got purpose for you. He's got destiny for you. And as your mother, I want you to know when you don't see me, you'll always have a mama in the midnight hour praying God's covering and protection and perfect will on your life. And God released me that night into this thing called the calling of God and the purpose of God. Then we see her faith. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Jochebed had faith in God, his protection, provision for her and her son. Only because she trusted in the Lord could she abandon her son rather than watch him be killed. It wasn't an abandonment. In the eyes of others it was. It was a move of faith that now says, God, I've done all I can do. Now I'm handing him to you, and I'm trusting you for your will to be done. God was able to work the miracle in this situation simply because of Jochebed's faith in him. If she had not had faith in him enough to put him into the test, neither Moses nor the nation of Israel would have been saved. Jochebed simply said this, God, I do not know why you're allowing this. Any mamas prayed that? God, I just don't know why you're allowing this or what you have planned in this, but God, I trust you. That's the words of our pastor. He's taught, and Ashley has taught us well in the loss of their son. My grandson, Jabin, the 18th of this month, will be five years ago that he left us as a five-year-old boy. And I wrestled hard with God on that. I give 38 years of my life to ministry, and you take my grandson? And it challenged my theology. I'm not going to lie to you. But I heard my son stand in this pulpit just days after his son was taken, and he said, I 
can't answer the question of why my son was taken from us, but I can answer this. Will I trust him? Yes. Do I believe in his sovereignty? Absolutely. Am I going to keep doing what he's called me to do? You betcha I am because he's a God who understands the best. And I put, and we put our son in that basket in that river and we said we've done what we can do. Now your will be done. And I trust you. Jochebed trusted. God was able to work the miracle in this situation simply because of Jochebed's faith in him. You see, Jochebed did not place her son in the Nile River to save her life from Pharaoh. Get this. She didn't put him in the Nile so that she wouldn't be found and killed. It was her last effort to save his life, knowing that he was safer in the river in God's hands than in her house being caught in her hands. Isaiah 7. And some of, I'm going to go back there. Some mothers... Some of you need to let go. I'm going to explain that. Some of you need to quit trying to be mama to a 40-year-old. And you got to hand them to God at some point. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When they go to college, you can't be there every day. You got to trust God now. You got to let them go. You never stop being mama but you can't play God and mama at the same time. You got to be mama and let God be God. Come on, you with me? If not, you're going to shorten your life. God wants you to live long life and enjoy every bit of it. You see, Jochebed placed her son out there knowing that he was safer in the hands of God in a hostile environment than in the safety of her house in ways that she couldn't cover him. Isaiah 7 says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Oh, that's worth repeating, isn't it? If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. This lady on the front row, she's the mother of my children. Amazing wife will be 43 years this July. I hugged her this morning and I embraced her and I just said, I just want to remind you that you are by far the greatest gift that has ever been given to our children, more than any tangible thing that we've ever been able to give them. The greatest gift in their life is you. You have covered them, loved them, protected them, sowed into them. You've been a war angel. I mean, this woman is Satan's worst nightmare when she's in prayer. I've watched her go into warfare. She, you've seen the prayer room? Well, she has this prayer chair. And I can't tell you the thousands, not hundreds, the thousands of nights that I've woke up in the middle of the night and she's not there. I know where she's at. I can easily that house and go in there and there she is. And on that little table, there's a bottle of water. There's her Bible and tissues that are soaked with her tears. And you can't hear every word she's saying, but I know what she's saying. She's praying for me. Her husband, she's calling out her children and grandchildren's name to God. I've watched her pray the wrong people out of our children's life. Thank God. People that they, our children, thought they were going to marry, and, and we both went, nah, ain't the right one. And I'd say, sick them, Kathy, sick them. <laughs> Get in that chair, girl. 
Talk to him. Because I've always said she's God's favorite daughter. I, I, don't, I know, ladies, I'm sorry, you might be number two, but she's number one. Her and God got this thing going on. And I've watched her pray wrong people. Not bad people, just not the right person. Out of our children's life, I watched her pray my son back to life when he was announced dead for 24 days. And when the doctor came to me because I had the power of attorney and they said, listen, Pastor Dan, you've got to understand your son is 100% dead. And I'll never forget the one evening that they called me in and they said, it's over. He's been gone way too long. He's 100% dead. You've got to consider, do you want to donate his organs or not? And my wife pulled me by the arm into the hallway into another room. And she said, don't you dare listen to them. God gave us a word. He gave us a promise. Don't you give them the okay to turn off that machine. God's going to bring our son back. We're taking him home. Oh, my God, mother. You have no idea the power of your prayer, your consistency, your persistency of your faith, knowing that God can do what you can't do. He's got you. He's got your children. Then's her reward. Pharaoh's daughter, listen to this. If you think God's not in control, so look at the story real quick. I got to wrap up. So she takes Moses down, puts him in a basket. He's floating down the river. She leaves, but she didn't know it, but her daughter, Moses' sister, Miriam, she followed her mother down there. When mama went home, she went down and watched the basket float. And she sees it, and nothing's happening. No alligator, no crocodiles messing with it. And all of a sudden, she sees these women bathing. And she looks, and it's Pharaoh's daughter, the very Pharaoh that put the decree out that Moses is to be put to death, is now there. And the Bible says that she saw the basket, looked in, saw a baby crying. And she felt sorry for him. She had compassion on him. But she's supposed to put him to death. She held him, and Miriam saw that, and she said, oh, wow, she's not killing him. She didn't throw him back in the river. So she stood up, and she put her life on the line. But Pharaoh's daughter didn't know that was Moses' sister, but God did. And she looked at her, and she goes, would you like for me to go get a Hebrew woman who's nursing and bring her to you so that they could nurse him for you? And she goes, would you please do that? So Miriam, Moses' sister, goes home and gets Jochebed, Moses' mother, and brings Moses' mother to Pharaoh's daughter. She didn't know it was his sister or mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said, would you please take him home and nurse him, and I'll pay you. <laughs> ah, yeah, when you think God's not, you know, God, are you even in this at all? When you don't see him working in your camp, he's in the enemy's camp working for you. And Pharaoh's, or excuse me, Moses' mother took him home. And for four to five years, because in the Jewish culture, they breastfeed their children four to five years. I know American women don't freak out. <laughs> but she had him four to five years. Now, that's so important because guess what? Those four to five years are the most important years in a child's life. That's where they're going to get the most powerful information they're going to take the rest of their life. And listen to what happened in Hebrews 11. 
By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeing pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Do you know what he did? He repeated the acts of his mother. He heard her those four to five years telling the story of how God had her put him in a basket and didn't throw him in the river. He heard the protection of God. He heard her tell how God had been faithful through the disastrous situation that surrounded them that looked hopeless. And now he's in a similar situation, but he's living in the royalty. He's living in Pharaoh's house. He's raised in Egypt, but God was setting him up with a purpose. And now because of the faith, the courage of his mother, he stepped out in that same courage and said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I would rather suffer with the children of God than to be called one of them. And he stepped back into his purpose and became the deliverer of four to six million Israelites. But it was all founded in a mama who would not give him up to the world, but trusted him in the hands of an almighty God. So today I honor every mother here in this sanctuary. Today, many of you will laugh, you will celebrate, you will be treated with cards, gifts, kindness, candy, meals, flowers, as you should. We've got a special place out in the lobby. We'd love for you to go by as a mom and get pictures with your children, your family. But there's other moms that sit here today and wish that we just left this mother thing along. It just adds more pain to a life of misery. There's hurt in your motherhood. There's disappointment in your motherhood. But today we want to acknowledge our moms here. To those who gave birth this year, we celebrate with you as a TC family. To those who lost a child, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with your children every day, we pray for you and appreciate you. To those who experience loss through tragedy, miscarriage, failed adoption, or a child running away, we weep with you. To those who walk the difficult path of infertility, full of pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Will you forgive us when we say foolish things at times? We really don't mean to make it more difficult than it already is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we desperately, desperately need you. To those who have adopted children as your own, we applaud you. To those who have close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who suffer disappointment and heartache and are distant from your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mother this year, we grieve with you. To those who have made a decision to abort your child, we remember both them and you today. And we want you to know you're in a house of love and comfort and acceptance here. There is no judgment in this house. We have not walked your journey. We just want you to know that you have a family here that wants to walk your journey and the rest of it with you. Your family, we love you and we honor you. 
To single mothers, we honor and esteem you as you serve two roles, not just one. To those who are step-parents, we walk with you during the times of complexity and difficulty. To those who put your child up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you daily hold that child in your heart. To those who are now pregnant with new life, we anticipate and we celebrate with you. And maybe you're here like the mother who stopped me on the way out after the first service with tears running down her cheeks. And she literally pulled me over to the side for a moment. She said, Pastor Dan... I feel horrible. I was not one of those godly mothers. I did not raise my children in a godly home. And she started to tell me a story, and I stopped her. And I said, stop, stop, stop. I said, the enemy takes the word of God and tries to condemn you with it. The Holy Spirit takes it, and he comforts you with it. I said, the word says that he will restore back to you what the locust has eaten away from you. I said, you can't change yesterday, but you can live today and look for tomorrow. And God will give you back what the enemy has tried to take away from you in the years that you did not know him. God is not a God looking to punish you for the times you weren't with him. He's here to honor you for the time that you are with him. And what you were not then, he will make you today. And he'll give you back the years that you have lost. Today, this Mother Day, we walk with you, all of you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we at Transformation Church have some of the greatest moms in the world here with us today. And moms, we want to declare you're that, but you're all that and more. And we love and appreciate. Would y'all moms please stand? If you're a mother in the house, would you stand with us today? I don't know about the other guys in here, but I'm sure I'm glad God made me a male. I love being this part of the thing. <laughs> I cannot imagine being a mom. I was there at the delivery of our children. That's when you find out what your wife really thinks about you. And that hee-haw, hee-haw thing they teach you to do, it don't work. Don't waste your time. But I've had the honor of living with one of the greatest women that God ever created. I was raised by one, and I have the honor to live with one. And I've watched the struggles. I've seen her cry and cry and cry and pray. But it is her wisdom. It is her discernment. It's her love that our children are who they are today. People watch me get on the platform and go, oh, Pastor Brad, that's Pastor Dan's son. No, that's Kathy's son, too. And Pastor Brad would not be where he is today if he had not had that mother doing what I'm not gifted to do. She's a pillar of strength, and so are you. You are so vital for today and for tomorrow and the future of our children, and we honor you today. Not just saying it because it's Mother's Day. This house honors you today. Let's pray together. Father, I can't put into words the gratitude that we have for these mothers today that are standing. God, some are standing here today with joy and celebration and thanksgiving, knowing that today their family's together, they're, they're going to eat together, they're going to fellowship together, they're going to laugh together, they're going to enjoy this day. God, we celebrate with them. We want them to enjoy it to the fullest, God. They deserve it, Father. They deserve it. There's other moms here today, God, there's tears in their eyes. They're going to be alone or they're hurting or they're missing one of their children or tragedy has come to their life. God, I pray for them today and we lift them up today that 
Lord, you said the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And God, I, I pray today that a spirit of joy will overwhelm them, even in the midst of their tears, that they will find themselves celebrating and who they are in you today. And God, that a spirit of thanksgiving and joy will overwhelm them and take over their hearts and their thoughts. And so today, God, we bless our moms. We bless them, Lord, for the sacrifice, the giving, the caring. They give so generously and freely, most of the time without us even recognizing or acknowledging it or thanking them for it. And God, we pray, Lord, that you will give back to them a thousandfold of what they have sown into so many of us. Today, we honor them. Today, we bless them. We pray your favor and your blessing will now cover them in every aspect of their life. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give our moms a big hand today? We love you. We really, really, really love you. You can be seated, mom. I'm closing out today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Dan, I maybe I was raised in a house of faith. Maybe I wasn't, but I realized today I'm, I'm away from God. I'm not where I need to be with God. And today I need to make a decision. And I just need God in my life today. I want to start over. I want to follow him the rest of my life. If you would, would you just close your eyes for one moment? I've got to quickly close. I've gone over. You say, I, I need Jesus today, Pastor Dan. I, I had a godly grandma. I had a godly grandpa. I had a mama. And I, I've walked away. I've, I've left some of the journey. And today I want to come home. My mama's prayers aren't in vain. They're still working. And I need Jesus to pray for me. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up and you can put it right back down. I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Real quick. If you raise your hand or you did not, we're going to pray it together. Would you pray this prayer with me and just say, Dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you, I confess, I believe, and I receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you join me and let's celebrate with these that have prayed. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. For more information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.